First up, uh, it's fall, so we also got a sense of the country's finances today with the fall economic update that Christia Freeland, the finance minister, delivered in Ottawa. It made for a suitably bleak November type of news. She was warning of a potential recession next year and predicted, quote, significantly weaker growth in Canada and around the world. Canada is ready to weather the storm, she says, projecting a $36.4 billion deficit for this fiscal year. That's actually down uh, by about $15, $16 billion from what was predicted back in the budget in the winter. And apparently that's going to shrink over the next four years before hitting a surplus, believe it or not, a surplus, if you can believe the predictions, which aren't always that accurate, clearly, uh, but a surplus of $4.5 billion by 2027-2028. The world economy is slowing down and the Canadian economy is slowing down. Uh, that is the natural, indeed, the intended consequence of the interest rate increases by the Bank of Canada. And it was important for me today to be candid about that with Canadians. Christia Freeland and her fall economic update. Most of the major spending, I gather, is being held, if there is any, for the budget in the spring. Uh, the Liberals here are having to try to uh, fight inflation by not spending too much. In other words, if you're trying to, uh, if your monetary policy is trying to battle inflation, you can't be pouring too much money into the economy. That's what happened in England. You saw what happened in Britain, right? We don't want that to happen here. Uh, there are some new measures, though, uh, including plans for a new tax on share buybacks. Incentives for green energy investment in response to the U.S., that massive U.S. Inflation Reduction Act that included a major package of tax and climate policy reforms, boosts for lower wage workers and student loan interest relief. We are acting with compassion because we know a lot of people have it hard right now and they need our support. But at the same time, we're being very careful that the measures we put in place are targeted and are fiscally responsible because we want to get past this inflation as soon as we can. And we know that part of the way to do that is for the government to be fiscally responsible right now. So are they being fiscally responsible? Let's look beyond the numbers to find out what story this economic update tells us about the state of our economy. And to help us do that is Pedro Antunes. He's the chief economist at the Conference Board of Canada. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Well, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we always watch these things with a lot of uh, curiosity to see exactly where the country's headed economically. Uh, what did you make of what was announced today? Just how stormy are, are the times ahead going to be? Well, in, in fact, I've, I've been trying to uh, kind of get some or give some clarity around, you know, what most of the baseline scenarios that are out there are telling us about about the economy. Uh, and again, if you look at the baseline projection that uh, is the foundation for the economic update or the same projection or a similar projection that is the foundation for the Bank of Canada's uh, monetary policy, and the you know most private sector forecasts forecasts that are out there, uh, what they're really telling us is. This is a scenario where monetary policy is successful. We slow the economy down enough 
We have essentially flat growth for two or three quarters, or in some cases, slight declines, very slight declines, uh, which qualify perhaps as a technical recession. I would I would call those small R recessions. And the success on monetary policy is that inflation in these forecasts comes down from you know the seven percent that we're facing this year to essentially by 2024 getting inflation back down to to within that band of one to three percent. So those are the good news scenarios. The, the bad news scenarios, of course, uh, are the ones where we don't get inflation down. Central banks are forced to keep uh, ratcheting up on the interest rates, and uh, we end up with, a, I would su- suspect, a much harder landing, perhaps later down the road. Yeah, we didn't really get, I mean, I gather, you know, in, in uh, Christopher Freeland's announcement today, we saw plans for both scenarios, right? They don't really know which one to expect. I guess it's hard to predict. Uh, I mean, we saw interest rates um rise in England again today and, you know, double digit inflation there. So everyone's struggling with these same issues. Um, What about spending? I mean, there was some spending in here today, not too, too much, but some. Yeah, well, uh, I guess the spending, uh, certainly, if you look at where the projections would have taken us now with this kind of stronger inflation does feed government revenues. And uh, that typically is uh, uh, allows government if they're, you know, uh, to improve on their fiscal situation relative to what was announced in the budget. Now in the budget in February of this year, we essentially had a 50, almost a $53 billion deficit this fiscal year coming, I should say. Uh, So 2022, 2023. We could have seen that improved by about 30 billion. We went out and spent a little more, about five billion a year uh, over the course of the seven years, or sorry, the six years of the projections that the that this economic update is looking at. Uh, now those measures are essentially split with uh, some uh, relief uh, for lower targeted relief, I would say, for lower income households, and I, I think certainly that's uh, positive in this very inflationary environment. Uh, the other measures are uh, essentially to try and make us a little more competitive, and they're modest measures, I would say, overall. Uh, to try and uh, essentially incent investment and and keep investing also in uh, reskilling and retraining uh, workers. Both of these are modest. Uh, They do deteriorate the fiscal situation a little bit, you know, at least on the targeted measures. Certainly, we do know that some households are feeling the pain from this high inflation scenario. Yeah, I mean, you know, to speak sort of plain English in this, uh, I didn't see anything in this, really. I mean, let's be frank, and I think Christia Freeland admitted as much. There's very little they can actually do to provide enough money to help most Canadians get through this tough time. And, and I think that was recognized today, uh, that uh, there's, you know, this the student loan interest relief is is good. That's interesting. Uh, you know, there's some other, uh, for low-wage workers as well, as you mentioned, some boosts as well. Um, but realistically, not much they can do because they really have to watch out about how much they spend. They already spend a lot. They have to watch out about just how much they're spending in these times, no? Well, that's exactly the, the point. I mean, uh, if we look at what monetary policy is trying to do right now is essentially inflation is already eating away at our purchasing power, the purchasing power of households. And monetary policy is saying, well, the, the problem here is that consumer spending is too strong. We're not able to generate enough uh, enough output that's generating wage pressures and inflationary pressures so what do we do about that well we in addition to the inflation uh you know go out and hammer households even harder by saying well we're going to increase your financing rates your financing costs so in a way uh if we offset that with more generous fiscal policy that's not really helping the the scenario here of a soft landing uh, with inflation coming down. 
it, it's a tough situation, obviously, uh, for households. And, you know, you don't want to beat up on households and say, well, uh, you have to take this, uh, this recession because, you know, this is what we need for the economy. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you know, the economy is overheated. And while some households are facing tough times, lower income households, I would agree, some are perhaps even seeing some job losses in some segments of the economy. Uh, but overall, we're at a very tight labor market. Uh, average wages, they're not caught up to inflation, but they're they're coming up very strongly in, in the rear. They're running 5% year over year right now. You know That means that that 8% inflation number or 7% inflation number is only really eroding about two or 3% of our income, not as bad as it was uh, earlier on. And of course, most households have saved through this pandemic and their nest eggs or you know their socked away savings are pretty high. The stock buyback thing is interesting because, of course, the Americans did it first. They put a 1% uh, tax on it. We've done 2%. Uh, will it work? This is essentially taxing companies who, instead of reinvesting their profits in their own companies, use it to buy back their stocks, right? I, I think it's going to be very hard to try and understand what's driving uh, what you know, specific components, especially components like this, whether they're going to really have an impact on overall investment. Right. I think the problem is in, in Canada, and, and essentially we were embarrassed that you might remember back when we put out the federal budget in February of this year, uh, we were embarrassed just prior to that because the OECD had talked about our long-term economic forecast as being the weakest in uh, real income or real GDP per capita among OECD countries. Yeah. And the reason the OECD looks so poorly upon us is because our investment, private investment levels as a share of GDP are below uh, many of the other OECD nations. If we look at where we are in comparison to the US, they're at 15%. We're at 10% of GDP. And most European countries, Germany, France, they're at 13, 14% of GDP. So what's caused this uh, this problem? What it, why have we not been incented to invest in Canada? Well, uh, certainly since the Trump administration came into play, there was a lot of concern about access to the U.S. market. That hurt investment. Uh, we've had in 2015 an energy price shock that uh, declined, in fact, back then, that really took the steam out of energy investment. That's not really rebounded. Uh, but across the board, in 2018, we had uh, tax cuts in the U.S., corporate tax cuts that were quite uh, massive that we didn't counter with in Canada. Uh, so all of these things have played against our ability to see investment rebound in Canada. And of course, fast forward to today, and guess what? We, you know, we're in a pandemic. We faced a recession. Uh, now we're uh, concerned about where the economy is headed. Uh, and we, in our latest surveys in business conference, get the feeling that firms are now very concerned about a lack of workers. Uh, the lack of skilled right. labor is holding back investment. So the bottom line is the challenge on investment is going to require more than some minor touches. I think we saw a few positive things in this budget, but very little money really, uh, sorry, in this economic update or in, the, or in the February budget to address this problem. Yeah, a buyback tax probably won't do the trick, right? Does, will it have any negative impacts or, or is it more of a political nod well, than anything else? Because certainly when, you know, every time you read uh, the business headlines, whatever companies use profits to buy back their shares uh, tends to tends to get negative reaction from certain corners. You know, I, I don't know that this will have this, the intended uh, the intended investment. And what you want to make sure you don't do is uh, move investment completely away from our borders uh, somewhere else to another jurisdiction, and that can happen, uh, uh, you know, uh, very easily. Um, and we've seen that happen over the past, well, let's say the certainly the past decade. 
So, yeah, I do worry about unintended consequences of some of these policies. Uh, I can't say that I know exactly you know, what the outcome of this will be. Given that the U.S. was first on this, this tends to be our biggest competitor for that investment dollar, North American investment dollar, at least. You know, perhaps that's not going to you know, impact us so much. But of course, we, we went with a double of uh, a tax do, rate. Yeah. So I, I do worry about, uh, you know, that may incent some to invest more rather than take profit, uh, but it may incent some to just go south of the border. Yeah, it could well. Uh, the, the, perhaps a ray of sunshine in today's slightly stormy economic update was this idea that Canada, at least according to these uh, predictions, which aren't always all that accurate. I mean, we didn't think we'd we we have a smaller uh, deficit than we thought we would just six months ago, uh, but it looks like we'll be back in surplus by you know towards the end of the decade. Is that uh, is that encouraging, or at least is the prediction encouraging? Yeah, I, I think it is encouraging. Um, you know, I think at the federal level, the situation, fiscal situation, isn't as bad as in many other OECD countries. And we are uh, seeing a path here that is positive. We're reducing our debt to GDP ratio. It jumped up to essentially uh, 47% to GDP. And we see that path in this kind of baseline, soft landing, you know, little R recession scenario. Uh, we see that improving. Yeah, so definitely positive news. What I would say to Canadians, though, is that uh, we're responsible for, in fact, the debt and deficits at all levels of government. And so when the federal government may be doing a little bit better than perhaps uh, expected just a few quarters ago, by the way, the provinces have seen their uh, uh, some improvements as well, of course, uh, with commodity prices coming up and, and nominal and you know inflation is good for government revenues in general. But uh, the fiscal situation for provinces is much more dire longer term because of the pressures on healthcare, uh, education, spending, and others. And healthcare is a huge concern. You know, right now we're seeing the baby boom cohort essentially the last of them kind of leaving the workforce over the last over the next five or six years. But down the road, uh, what that that baby boom cohort is going to do is pressure the healthcare system uh, massively. And the healthcare system, as we all know, strained. The impact of COVID is seemingly a lasting cost. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be a, a long-term challenge fiscally. Just just one piece of the puzzle here. Uh, Pedro Antunes, thank you so much for your time. You're, you're welcome. Thanks for having me.